0: In every age, God raises people up to speak the truth to the world in a way that is currently relevant. Though our opinions should not be held with the same esteem as the biblical canon, we still carry the hope of Christ to the world. Our society has forgotten what it means to follow Christ. The bright lights of truth-seekers are barely visible in the dim twilight of a post-Judeo-Christian society. We all see the darkness coming. All we can hope is to share the light that he has entrusted to us. This is Modern Apocrypha. I heard a story the other day about a man who was teaching in seminary. And he told his students a story, went something like this. Christianity started in Israel as a fellowship. From there, it went to Greece and became a philosophy. From there to Rome and became an institution. Then it went to Europe and became a culture. Then finally, it came to the United States and became a business. And the seminarian's youngest student raises her hand in the back of the room and she says, but isn't the church supposed to be a body? Well, yes. But when a body becomes a business, isn't that prostitution? And the seminarian seemed to have a difficulty with this concept. It, it, it really shocked him. Eventually, he came to the conclusion that, as Christians, our motivation for what we do is what matters. And and I agree with that on its face, but this leaves a much bigger question to be examined. And that question is, what is the church, and what is our responsibility as believers? This is Modern Apocrypha, and I'm Jared. I'm Greg. Welcome.
1: Welcome, everyone.
0: So, Greg, what did you think of my little story there?
1: That is a fantastic, um, uh, well, story uh, front to back, but just a great way to uh, uh, formulate your thoughts of the, the church and how it's used and how people misuse it and just each one of those words are so loaded between uh, a business, um, a culture, uh, you know, yeah. a philosophy. Each of those are, are powerful in and of themselves. It's, a, it's like it's a 10,000 word story when it's
0: just you know, a few words. Word yeah, exactly. You know, it's, yeah. it's a great illustration, too, of what I think is really critical about the modern church and what people don't seem to understand. Um, a while back... I recommended a couple of books to the pastor of the church that we're going to. Uh, the first one is called Pagan Christianity, and the second is Reimagining Church, or I think that's it. And the author's Frank Viola. And I actually need to read these again myself. Mary read the one, and I got big chunks of it, and I haven't read the other. But these both came highly recommended from people who I trust. And the idea behind it is that the church is in trouble. We're what we think of as the church is in trouble. And, you know, the I think the way to to approach this topic is actually to sort of to sort of ask the question, what is the church?
1: I think that's my question, even in regards to it's in trouble yeah. What do you mean by what's in trouble? Is it um, Christianity the business or Christianity the religion? I don't think Christianity the religion is in any.
0: Well, I think, uh, I think the Christianity the religion is attached to and part of Christianity the business, but that Christianity the following the following of Christ is a totally different thing. And that those people who follow Christ aren't necessarily involved in Christianity, the business or Christianity, the religion, you're more likely to find them there than other places. But you know, the, the intro to our podcast, the, the bright lights of truth seekers and the, the twilight of a post Judeo Christian world Or post-Judeo-Christian society, the idea is that even people who go to church, a lot of them don't really understand what it is to follow Christ. And that's what kept me out of church for so long. And the only reason I've started going to church is because I got a pretty hefty object lesson in what it is to be cut off from the body, and it's not healthy. And so you have to find other believers to connect with, or you're not going to be healthy. That's just how it is.
1: And I would say that you do have some responsibility to those around you to at least not lie and say the truth. I mean, if, if you've got a body that proclaims to be of Christ and they're not doing, not seeing, not hearing, then they could hear a good advice. You know, I'm, I'm never a proponent of beating someone over the head with the truth. Nobody wants the truth at 50 miles an hour, right? But right. at the same time, if you never gave them a chance to hear, they never got a chance.
0: You know, I, I find myself in the difficult position of doing exactly this with the people closest to me a lot. And you are pretty understanding about that. You're more interested in the truth than you are in your your ego where a lot of the people around me really aren't and they really struggle with me because I'm willing to say things that challenge the way they live. You know, a lot of things we, we go, Oh, that's not my business. I shouldn't speak to that. And with the people around me, it's not a comfortable thing sometimes because when I see something that I think is really unhealthy, I say it. And that has actually been really difficult since I started at this church. I know, um, what was it? It's It's got to be six months, eight months ago now. There was a men's breakfast at the church, and immediately before that, they had had a survey, because they were going through a pastor search, they'd had a survey asking different questions of the congregation, and I, I looked at the survey. I got about halfway through it, and I just wanted to start tearing things down. I wanted to tear down all kinds of institutions. I wanted to call people and rant and rave and be absolutely just incensed because it was treating God's family as a business. It was treating the body of Christ as a business. And one of the, one of the members of the church afterward in talking to the rest of the congregation about how important it was that we do this survey was talking about how the church is at the end of its business cycle and this and that. And I'm like, Oh, you can't do this. You can't live this way. You can't treat God's body, God's family this way. That's not what we are. So when I went to this men's breakfast, I shared my testimony and at the end of it, I said, you know, guys, I have been outside of religion for most of my life. Before I started coming here, I could count on both hands the number of times I'd been in a church outside of weddings and funerals. And that left me with both a deficit in terms of my connection to the body and my ability to, to walk forward properly without brothers around me to hold me up. I had a problem with that. But the thing that I did have that was valuable was I got a perspective on what's wrong with the church, what's wrong with the body, what's wrong with Christ's family here on earth. And so when we were talking about what to talk about today, that was sort of where my mind went, because I think it's, there are about 30 ways you could approach this topic I think the first thing I have to say, though, is we need to never talk down or tear down the bride of Christ. We need to never tear down the people who make up the church, but we need to understand who those people are. And you can look at any given religion, any given, whether it's Catholicism, um, Mormonism, the Jehovah's Witness, whatever that cult is, it's a cult, um, all the way to the the more, what would you call it, the more um, post-mill, Presbyterian sort of reformed view, all the way through the charismatic movements, and people based on personality and leanings tend to get sorted into a, a church that fits them pretty well. And that was never the way it was intended to be at all. It was, we're all members of the same body and unless we're acting in accord, the way we're acting is going to be broken. the that we have to be acting together as Christians, as Christ followers in order to fulfill the role that God has put in front of us. There's something you have to add here.
1: No, no, I'm just uh, preparing to answer questions and whatnot. uh, Whenever you're done with this segment, I'm I'm looking for (sighs) something like a um, visible step of, quantity of people or level of institution or something that isn't easy, but if nothing's easy, it's not going to be a, a hard right. line.
0: Well, as near as I can tell, it goes something like this. Jesus said where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And so even when somebody is sort of lost and they're in a religion and I, the way I look at religion is it's a structure of laws and requirements that are placed on top of a faith in Jesus Christ. You know, we talked just recently about what the gospel is. The gospel is the belief that Jesus Christ came to this earth for our sins, and that if we believe in Him, we will be saved, and that out of that, we we can be allowed to do good works for Him once we have accepted that, once we have accepted the Holy Spirit's role in sanctifying us, in in drawing us forward and growing us, then we can actually begin to do good things. But we do those out of love. We improve out of love instead of out of some sort of weird guilt need to live up to what Christ did. That's never going to work.
1: I'll throw out there the... uh... Necessity is the mother of invention that is uh, calling out that uh, uh, fear is a, a hard push for people. They do things for fear.
0: Right. And and, you know, at some level, fear isn't always bad because fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Fear can lead you to God. But where he wants us to wind up is with the perfect love that casts out fear. And if we're living out of that, then in some sense, we do what he did in coming to earth. He came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And that's the role we have, but we don't get there by following a set of rules. We get there by following the maker of the world, of life, of the rules. We get there by following the creator. And the, that, You know, in the New Testament, Paul says where there is grace, there is no awareness of sin, something along those lines. And the idea there is just that if we're following Christ, if our heart is committed to that and we have that grace, we don't need to be looking at our sins because he's already forgiven all of that. And we're already doing everything we can to grow toward him, to grow toward the Father, to grow toward the light. And that awareness of sin is only going to stunt our growth at that point. And so what I would say is, for those of you who are listening to this, it looks to me like, as Christians, we can be involved in whatever organization we choose. We have a freedom to do that before christ we can be catholic we can be mormon we can be whatever even if their doctrines are very wrong and even evil we can be a part of that organization provided the holy spirit is leading us and that we are following and that what we're doing and our intent is to draw people to christ and to build a foundation for people if that's if that's where our hearts are at and that's what we're doing and we're following his lead then it really doesn't matter what organizations we belong to he'll use that for good you know that you could you can look at any number of people who were part of really evil organizations in the history of the world and their position in those organizations allowed them to do good things like the the government officials in Eastern Europe who were able to smuggle Jews away from the Nazis because they had their involvement in the government, which was a Nazi organization. That's just one tiny example. There are a million different examples. The point is that it doesn't matter what organization we're involved in, provided that we are following Christ and that we are, that that's where our hearts are. Now, I think along with that, as you grow in him, your your understanding of the truth and your proximity to the truth will increase. You will, what would I say? You'll grow closer to the truth and you'll know the truth better because you're committed to the Lord. That's a natural step. And so when inevitably... You find that your understanding of truth comes in conflict with the rules of the religion within which you've immersed yourself. You have to choose Christ over that religion. And one of the things that religion makes really, really difficult is trying to choose him. Instead of those rules, because the whole purpose of religion is to be an antichrist. What is an antichrist? An antichrist is not something that is totally against Christ, totally opposed to Christ. That's the way we think of anti. But the way the word was originally conceived was something that is in substitution of Christ, something that we look to instead of Christ. And that's what religion has become. Too many people get really satisfied with their religion and they stop looking to the Lord and they,
1: well, and it's strange, you know, we have the co- sort of a common flippant uh, sayings. And one of them is um, too many chiefs and not enough Indians. You mm-hmm. have too many bosses. God doesn't work that way. He wants us all to be the boss. All of us are bosses, right? People will look at a, uh, an institution and think that I'm learning from the institution. It's the boss of me as if they're still in school. I, I don't go to church to learn something I don't know I, I go to remind myself of what I already know um, mm. the idea that you are supplement yeah you know, that you supplement yourself to someone else's opinion of what god's telling you they can't hear what God tells you you hear what god tells you well
0: in a sense I absolutely agree with you in another I think that what you said kind of left some confusion there and, and here let me let me push this at you and see what you think um I think that you're right that that nobody else hears from God for you. That's between you and God, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Jesus Christ is the one priest between man and God. He is the one mediator between God and man. That's his role. We hear from him, not from other humans for us. That's not the way it works. That's not biblical, and that doesn't follow truth. And that's why, just as a slight rabbit trail here, that's why when... I have people ask me what I think is wrong with catholicism. That's one of the places I start is be, is that we don't have a mediator between man and god except Christ. Period. End. There is nothing beyond that. When you start to put something there, you whether it's a human in the form of a priest or the church institution or the bible, the 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 written word when you put any of those between you and God, and I'll get into the last one in a minute because that one probably raised a lot of hackles, and you deserve you deserve more of a, an explanation than that. But um, when you let something else get between you and God, you're you're headed for trouble. You have you have started to venerate or elevate something else instead of God. So. In that sense, I agree with you. In the other, the thing where I think, where I think I don't, I d- it didn't come across right, or I don't agree, is that you said you don't go to church to learn anything. I'm always looking to learn things when I'm talking to my brothers, whether that's in a church or with you. The idea is that you don't go to church for the purpose of an institution instilling values in you. I think that's what you were trying to get at, right?
1: Correct. It's not on the same level as going to math course to figure out a type of math that I was not previously educated on. Right. I,
0: I agree with that. And and I think that's right on. So moving on to speak to some of the rest of this, and I, I do have a place I want to go with this to kind of tie it all together. But
1: I would also just still um, flag and reiterate the idea that there's no boss and and, and servant. There's no higher level of, of um understanding or or power through christ everybody's got the same power through christ if they accept
0: well let's let's hit on authority and hierarchy real quick here because that's actually a pretty critical part of this and then we can move on to the bit about the the bible getting between people and god because that one like i say probably raises a lot of hackles so when it comes to hierarchy hierarchy was not instituted in human realms by god that was instituted among spiritual beings by God, but not among humans. Instead, and, and I don't actually even know for sure that it was instituted among spiritual beings by God. I don't actually know that for certain. I, I think that's probably true, but, but I know that among humans, God instituted authority. And you can think of authority as sort of an area of responsibility rather than a, a strict hierarchy where there's a person at the top who tells everybody what to do. Instead, it's a case of God gives each of us responsibility for our set of things. In my case, I have a family who I love. I have this writing I'm doing, and Greg and I together have this podcast, and we have authority in those areas to exercise the you know, the responsibility God gave us to do what we have to do. And that means when my son misbehaves, I have a responsibility to deal with him and I have the prerogative to discipline him. I have that right because I'm his dad. I have that authority. But it's an authority thing. It's not a hierarchy thing. I have a responsibility for doing that. At some point he leaves my house and I no longer have that same authority. I no longer have the same responsibility. I may have a position of honor, but that isn't the same thing quite and, and the whole parent-child thing is a, a little bit different from most areas of responsibility. But it's like my church, uh, they had this discipleship material they were making, and I was asked to proofread it. And I was telling the pastor, whoever you have doing this needs to understand what authority is, that authority doesn't mean that they have command of someone, because they're they are willingly putting themselves under authority for the purpose of this discipleship material. They're making themselves accountable for showing up at such and such a time and doing such and such list of things. And in my, in my understanding of authority, that's fine, that there's nothing specifically wrong with that unless the person who's, who's in that position of authority starts to misuse it and to think of it as a hierarchy position if they do that, then that's inviting the enemy in because hierarchy is not something God puts in human realms. It's of the enemy when it comes into human realms.
1: Absolutely agree. The, the thing that I see propping up with the ego, the, the problems that we, we do to each other mm-hmm. is that, um, say that, that um, the uh, head of the class for a particular subject but let's, let's let's use uh, common scientific uh, classes. We'll we'll say uh, you've got a science teacher, right? And your science teacher is the boss of that class. But that doesn't mean that when you get to the school cafeteria, they can tell you what to eat. Okay. Right? they, they grade your I understand and... your
0: analogy. I don't. I don't know. Was what I said not clear enough, or what's oh, yeah, the? We're just. I'm
1: just uh, reiterating kind of the the difference between the authority to. Um, judge whether or not the the material um, reviewed is correct and in line with what was intended to be taught is one thing. The judgment as to whether that flows outside of that realm into other realms, right? Yeah, because the the, the teacher student um, respect and respected. There's a, a lot of space to then go outside of that realm of expertise.
0: Yeah, there is.
1: Right, it's easy to to think that because someone's a good uh, roller skater that they can also drive a fast car and there's no connection between the two tasks.
0: So let's, let's hit one other small thing. And I'm actually going to save the discussion of the idolatry of the Bible for after the break, because we're coming up on a break here in a few minutes, but before we get to the break, and then I want to hit that head on and and sort of speak to it. Um, But before we get to the break, I I want to sort of maybe outline the, the idea of these institution, excuse me, these institutions and what they're doing. Um, So, when you look at something like the Catholic church or Mormonism or the Jehovah's witness cult or any number of other stricter religious organizations, you find a couple of different things that number one, when they start to have a serious hierarchy, they're acting in opposition to God's stated intent for humans and how we're to interact. That hierarchy is brought in by the enemy. When they start to deal in secret knowledge, like you have to progress up the chain of knowledge to achieve a higher sort of status, And you, and you have to learn secret things to get there. That is a mark of something that the enemy has his hands on.
1: And is that something that flows with certifications everywhere?
0: Not exactly. Don't sidetrack me here yet though. Okay. So the other thing though, is when you have money involved and money flows up the hierarchy, instead of coming directly to where it's supposed to, from who it's supposed to, then you can say that there's a problem. And here's how I mean that. God does have a place for local churches to have money come in from people to accomplish specific things. God doesn't really care that much. He put that money there to be used in a way that is good and helpful to the the people who are doing it, and that they can, you know, provide blessing to the to their church by doing it. But when that money starts to flow, clear up the hierarchy, as it does in somewhere like the Catholic Church, or even um, church denomination organizations where you have to pay up to the denomination organization to be a part of their denomination. When you have membership fees and dues and stuff like that, that's an indication that you need to be real careful of what you're getting yourself into because money is another place where the enemy gets his fingers into things and really screws with stuff. And that can be true even in the case of local organizations. I say that there's a place there because I don't want to like push that out. But, at the same time, money is one of the strongest abuse points, and one of the things that I have always been very leery of is getting myself in a position where i am where i where I am monetarily um indebted to someone else where i'm where i'm enthralled to them monetarily or where they are in that position to me. I would. I much prefer relationships where it's sort of an, a peer relationship where, you know, you do this service for me and I do this for you and I give money to people who I find to be in need or where I think God is using it and I have a, a, a sort of a draw from the Holy Spirit or f- feel strongly that I ought to. Does that make sense?
1: Somewhat, although hmm, I have trouble with money in general you know that that's a real headbutt spot for me i beat my head against the wall trying to understand the function and flow of money because i don't i don't understand money completely removed completely there is no money there is no body there's no physical realm that exists anymore there's still god and, and religion
0: well there's still god religion is the wrong word you're okay <laughs> there's still god but but the other thing is there actually is still money because God made this world and it was good. And the, the idea is that if everything is flowing the way it's supposed to, money becomes a tool. And it, it's part of our responsibility, right? We have a responsibility to use money in a wise way. And actually doing a whole podcast on money would be a good idea at some point because it's such a big deal.
1: And it's one of those concepts that it's existed for so long that which words mean, which things in which periods to be speaking about money, you first have to to really pin down your definitions and your time periods and really not take it laxadaisically because every, every effort has been made to make you not understand it.
0: Sure. And, and the other half is like you say, You have trouble with money, and I think that that's. I think that the big trouble there is that there's a responsibility thing that needs to come in line, and if it were if it clicks, then you don't have a problem. But it's a matter of money is an outworking of the responsibility God has given us for certain things, and that when we get our money in order, we also get our responsibility in order in certain arenas. It's just a, it's just an aspect of that. But again, I think this is a topic for another podcast. How about, well, we, how about we go to break here, come back and talk about
1: scripture and yeah. how you can idolize or yeah. Yeah, idolize. That's right.
0: No, you got it. All right. So we'll right be on. back
1: in a minute. See you here in a minute.
0: Modern Apocrypha is brought to you by Bright Star, the forthcoming book by me, Jared Michaud, due to hit shelves April of 2024. For pre-release copies, head over to e6universe.com. Use the promo code Israel for 10% off
1: with your order. I'd like to take a moment to thank all the people enjoying Modern Apocrypha. As many of you have seen, I'm an avid coffee drinker, and I've been drinking North Arrow coffee for a couple of pounds now. You can find North Arrow Coffee at northarrowcoffee.co, all one word, where they list coffee of the month and how green coffee is handled. I've been enjoying some of the number four Honduras and some of the number 10 Peru available at northarrow.co. If you'd like to help support us even more, you can use discount code E6 for 10% off your copy order today. Thank you. And we're back. Welcome back, everyone. So,
0: where I wanted to go with the whole people idolizing scripture thing goes something like this: um, when when God spoke to Noah, there was no New Testament. Certainly, there was no even there was no Old Testament written down. We don't know what. Um, we don't know what their, uh, what, what would you call it, their oral tradition was exactly at the time. We assume that the, the Genesis account was passed down by oral tradition because it was Moses who actually wrote that long after Abraham. But this also ties into those people who, uh, I know a story of every home for Christ went to a particular little village that had never really had contact with the outside. And they found a person who had written down word for word certain portions of the gospels. And when they asked him where he got it, he said, well, basically Jesus told me in a dream what that was. And my, where I'm going with this is something like this, that the written scriptures exist as a tool for the craftsman, who is God, to use in our lives. That's their purpose. And I have known people who have said that the scriptures are Jesus. In fact, there's a guy who I respect very much who said that in less than a year ago. And I argued vociferously with him about this because When it comes back to it, there are two different words in the Greek. One is logos, one is rhema, and the way they're used is very different. The living word of God is, well, the living word of God is Jesus, but The spoken word and the written word are handled very differently when you start to understand the nuance of how the language was originally used. The idea that you can just say, oh, the Bible is the word of God and that makes it Jesus, that's not true. And it's really easy for us as human beings to take a scripture or even a set of scriptures in context and use those to our own ends to create a framework that we put people in subjugation to. And I know a lot of churches on the, the super Calvinistic side of things really tend to do that. And, and if you hadn't gathered this thus far, guys, modern Apocrypha is kicking all the sacred cows right in the teeth. Um, I'll take the sacred cows out and shoot them in the street because I'm more interested in the truth. And the truth is that when you put yourself in a position where you're bearing bad fruit because of the, the rules that you subject yourself to, That's not Christian. And I find that people who wind up in very, very Calvinist, very um, strongly reformed circles tend to have that problem a lot of the time at some point. So just as an illustration, I've heard of many cases where people who believe there is no such thing as the gifts of the spirit coming into the modern day. No healing, no tongues that those have ceased. The cessationist beliefs. People are going to these churches where they have these beliefs and all of a sudden they start studying scripture. They start studying the Bible. They get serious about it. And all of a sudden, some of them sh- start showing up with these gifts. They start speaking in tongues and they get chucked out of their church. And so what I would say is the scriptures exist as a tool for the Maker to use in shaping us. He is the potter, we are the clay. The scriptures are a tool he uses in shaping us and our lives. And when we start to fall off of when we start to fall off of that, that place where that's what the way we understand things our lives start to bear bad fruit our organizations start to bear bad fruit we start to come into this place where we want to where we want to do things that god has not told us to do and one of the places where i find that is there's this christendom 2.0 movement going on where people are like oh we need to reclaim the world for jesus and the reality is anything that is a Christian society or a Christian culture exists because a big percentage of the people believed in Jesus in a serious way, that disciples were were in that society. It, It was a widely discipled society. And so their values spread to everything around them, but it's a second order effect. And in my case, I come from a family where there are lots of people who are engineers and that doesn't mean that they all need to go stop being engineers and preach the gospel. What it means is that, as Martin Luther has often said, or has been known to say, a Christian shoemaker doesn't put little crosses on his shoes. He makes the best possible shoes he can, because that is the evidence of God's work in his life, that the, the quality of his workmanship becomes just so good that it, it testifies to God and his goodness. And that's the case for those of us who aren't called to be evangelists or pastors or whatever. Instead, our workmanship in whatever it is we're working on is called to be the best it can be because that serves God. And so when you're talking about a a Christian nation, you're just talking about a a nation where the people believed in Jesus and things came to a standard of excellence because they did, that is pretty amazing. It isn't because people set out to conquer a nation for Jesus, it's because they set out to make disciples.
1: It's interesting, too, that that does result in the um, uh, institutionalization and businessing of the church because it's profitable. They do a good job if you can, because the institution doesn't engender that. The the business doesn't engender that. So they're trying to get a hold of it. They'd love to have it.
0: Sure. And, And that's sort of the temptation is when we take our eyes off of the commission that he gave us, the great commission, which is make disciples of the nations. Every Christian is to do that in their daily life. That's part of what it is to follow Christ is to make disciples of the people around you. When we fall away from that, well, and then there's the commandment to do everything as unto the Lord. And the idea there is that everything we do should be excellent. And when we stop focusing on him as the prize, him as the goal, him as the maker, him as the person we're to have an intimate relationship with, then we run into a problem. When we read in the scripture in the parable of the wedding feast, and Jesus tells people that in the, in the end, there will be a circumstance where people will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, we, we cast out demons in your name and did miracles and did healings and all of these things. And he'll say, depart from me, you lawless ones. I never knew you. What we find is that once again, we're coming back to the point where Jesus is saying, the relationship is the whole point. Jesus is the prize. He is the reason we're doing this. And so when I say people idolize the Bible, I have had people straight up tell me that the scriptures are Jesus in some mystical sense. And that's not that's not right. He is the living God who sent the helper The Holy Spirit here to work in us. And the scripture is one of those tools that he uses, but it is always just a tool. And one of the cool things about that tool is you can go back to it and you can say, if what I believe goes against the scripture, then what I believe is wrong. You can always test your beliefs against scripture because it doesn't, it isn't going to lead you wrong. And so when you find people who are professing things that are against scripture, that are obviously unscriptural, you can say that's a place where they've gone wrong. And it doesn't matter whether that person is preaching the God's acceptance of sexual immorality, which is obviously against the Bible, or whether they're preaching that, um, that, I I don't want to get into all of that, but Whatever it is, if they have to quibble about the words, then they're probably seeing something wrong and they need to just take the Bible as it's intended and believe it and not try to explain it away to fit their theological framework, which is where a lot of the Calvinistic and Reformed things end up going eventually because they're more interested in a systematic theology than they are in a relationship with the living God.
1: I'm reminded, and I'm terrible about the actual uh, verse. Um, there's the uh, the trial where the uh, adulteress is brought before Jesus, hmm. and he says, "Let the yeah. fir- uh, the first non-sinner throw the first stone." Um, that feels to me very much the same thing. That it would really not sit well with with uh, Christ to see somebody looking at the words on the page through their own interpretations that they couldn't possibly know everything, right? And through their own interpretations, causing you know, the, the particular, uh, uh, gosh, plaintiff, the person accused uh, at the time, mm-hmm. that would have gone against all written law prior, but it also fit the, the heart, the, the, the meaning behind the law.
0: Right? And, and that, I think, is sort of the key is that in everything God does, he is a good father and a righteous judge who has gone to the most extreme ends in the history of the world to provide us with mercy.
1: And I would say that for anybody that uh, is really, really stuck on the words in the book, um, it is a classic um, and ancient argument from, I believe, Plato that um, he goes through a long discourse about the quality of good and being righteous and all of these things. And at the end of his his oration, a young man raises his hand and, and says, "Sir, who defines what's good? Right? How do you pre- if you're if you're doing all of these things, the the foundational right? How do you get your foundation to then get your vector? You're never going to look at these words without the Spirit of Christ in you and read them correctly.
0: That's right. The Holy Spirit is required to illuminate the truth of the Bible to you, and he will. If you ask him to, he will. So, anyway, if you don't mind pulling this back to the initial point that I started making at the very beginning, if the body of Christ, if the body is turned into a business, it becomes a prostitute. Where in scripture do we find the great prostitute it's in revelation we see a we see an example of a great prostitute i think she's writing some kind of beast and she ends up being killed and it looks to me like we have this situation in the world where and and, and i should add In Revelation, God says, come out of her, my people. He says, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her plagues. And the idea here, as near as I can tell, is something like this, that as the church, the quote church, the religious body in the world that calls itself the official, uh, the official anointed of God, whatever group that is, whether it's, whether it's the Raelians or the uh, Catholic Church. And if you, want, if you want a rabbit hole, go look up the Raelians. Um, but but whatever, the, whatever the official anointed body of God is supposed to be, when it starts to prostitute itself, get out of it. Get out of there. So what we end up seeing is this, this sort of um, dichotomy, this sort of thing where there is this group of things that are unclean Mm. because they have, instead of following God, they have begun to follow the systems and doings of the world in whatever form those take. And there are a million forms they can take. Narrow is the path and straight and few will find it right? This is the truth of who's going to know God. It's narrow is the way, straight is the path, and few will find it. So when you find that whatever whatever group you're a part of starts to prostitute itself, usually your first responsibility is to speak up, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it means exposing all the things about you that are not particularly good, because we all have all those fake things, all of those, all of those bad things we've done, all of those shameful things. And when I went to that men's breakfast, I had to basically sit down and just tell them all of the things that about my life that were not good. And that God had changed because that is my testimony is the change that Jesus has wrought in my life. And I had to tell those men who, I've lived within a couple of miles of my whole life, which means the chances of my story getting out there and other people hearing behind my back are non-zero. There's a good chance that somebody blabbed about all of the stuff that I said to somebody else and the story's still going around. But I had to do that. I had to be vulnerable in order to speak the truth about what was going on in the church. And what happened as a result of that was the guy who is now the pastor came up to me afterward. He was the only one who had anything really positive to say. He said, you know, I think a lot of people here feel the same way you do. And we just need to get through this next little while. And the point is God will use your vulnerability and your willingness to speak the truth to cleanse, to clean, to plant a seed that draws other people out of the darkness, out of that, that, prostitute into a place that's good with him or he'll use it to condemn them so you may speak the truth and it may not be received in my case it was and praise god for that and other people spoke the truth in turn and it was received and praise god for that but it may be a case and there have been other cases where i've spoken the truth and instead of it being received it was rejected and out of that, the people to whom I spoke the truth will be condemned before God because they rejected His truth. Me being the messenger wasn't it wasn't that important. Well, it was that it was that they rejected God's truth. So your first responsibility is probably to speak the truth. Ask the Holy Spirit, seek God about it, get in front of him. But then, come out of her, my people. Don't be a part of things that are a prostitution of God's, Jesus's body of the, the, of the bride of Christ. Don't be a part of that prostitution because you will reap the rewards if you do. It's, it's not going to be good. It's not a good thing. And where we see that going sort of culminates in what I see happening right now on a, on a political level, on a, a world events level with the Catholic church. Uh, before we had this conversation, I saw a headline. It was talking about the Pope saying that Marxists and socialists and Christians have a lot in common and that we need to be pursuing you know, the same kinds of goals and that we need to make common cause. Well, I understand the... <laughs> I would liken it to the young woman who got up in church a while back and said that if we want to attract young people, we need to be changing our worship to be more... Uh, palatable to young people and that is a huge red flag when you see that she she actually did that and and there's a huge red flag when you see that because the worship isn't about us it's about god and the holy spirit will lead the people who are in charge of worship if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing
1: well and we've we've also got evidence to say that um Making it easy makes people turn away. Giving people truth makes people unable to turn away.
0: That's right. It's the light that blinds you when you turn away. (sighs) That's the way I, one of the ways I describe God. He is the light that blinds you when you turn away. And the idea here is just that that, that girl who stood up in church was taking a first step in a direction that was going to be evil. It was going to be harmful. It,
1: it, and I, I I would like to, I would like to break in sinful more than evil. Um, and
0: you know, sure,
1: sure, sinful. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Sure. It just giving sucker against the, um, the rewards that you're, I mean, you don't need sucker from the rewards you're getting. Right. Right. The, the, the recognition of your responsibility, the, congratulation of completing your responsibility. Those sorts of things don't require softening.
0: No, they don't. And furthermore, the other point I was going to make here is that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. She didn't mean anything bad by what she was saying. And I'm sure that... I'm sure that there is a place where contemporary worship, which we do have some of at this church you know, it has a place in your worship. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. The point though, is that when you start shaping your intent in your worship, which is supposed to be reaching up toward God to instead reach down toward people, you've got a problem and your, your priorities are wrong and it's going to cause you issues. It's just how it is. On the other hand, the, the final outworking of that is what you see with the Pope when he says, Christians and Marxists need to take common cause. Well, no, the reality is the Marxist ideology has been responsible for more murder of adult human beings than any other ideology in the history of the world that we know of. It is the most, the, the fruit of it is the most evil that we have ever encountered. It makes, it makes what Hitler did in the Holocaust look like a kids playing in a sandbox. No kidding. You actually look at the numbers, it's awful. So what I'm seeing, and, and here I'm going to, instead of speaking to what I see out in the world, I'm going to sort of make a prediction. It's not exactly a prediction. It's just an observation of the trajectories I see people moving in. It looks to me like the Catholic Church and Islam and you name it, that all of the religions that are religions, that are that prostitute, are coming together in a great sort of, um, <laughs> what would you call it? It's They're all sort of moving into one organization, and that, that is... <laughs> Well, it's a sign of the times, right? It's a sign of the end of the age when we see that start something
1: like the uh, political something like the political um, impetus to try to push us all into groups, you know, these are married women, these are single guys, these are um, labor unions, these are, you know, the, the, the idea of grouping. They want to try to make a single group of religious versus non-religious. What, what do you see there in the culmination? What I see in the culmination is
0: the description of Christianity. Oh, sorry, I I talked over you there. I see more people
1: leaving Islam towards Christianity than before. Um, I believe in twenty twenty two, or six million Islamists moved to Christianity.
0: Could be. Um, you know what I see is a great coming together of all of the the world religions into the great prostitute of Revelation. They're all sort of, they all sort of want to, want to get together. All, oh, all religions lead to God is sort of the headline.
1: Except for two. two. There are two churches throughout Revelation. There are two churches.
0: Okay. You misunderstand me. What I'm saying is that, The prostitute is this being, this this force that says all religions lead to God. That's what the prostitute says. When the reality is Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and only through him do we come to the Father. Not through a religious building he built, not through a religious organization he started. Through him personally, we come to the Father. And that, that is the core of Christianity. And it is that that is in opposition to what the prostitute says that all religions lead to God. That's nonsense. Christ is the way to the father.
1: And the way to navigate institutions and hierarchies and live your life in the best way that you can.
0: That's right. When you, (laughs) yeah, it really is. I don't know. I I think that's a good place to call it. How about you?
1: Um, That was what I was aiming for. I was actually looking for a great pin to point pin to put in it. And that seems like the place to be.
0: All right. Well, thank you everybody for being here and we'll catch you next time.
1: Yeah. Thanks everyone for showing up.